Hello and welcome to Happy Place, the show where we get to know ourselves a little better through listening to others. And that's not only what we do on this podcast, but at the forthcoming Happy Place Festival. Two very special weekends, one at Chiswick House in London, the other at Tatton Park in Manchester, full of interviews and talks and workshops and classes, all designed to help you find your happy place. If you're feeling a little flat or a little lost, or a little all over the place, all feelings I've felt a lot in my life, then this festival is for you. I promise that the Happy Place Festival is all about experiencing something that will be game-changing, feeling a little bit different, having different ideas, exploring new avenues in life. That is what it's all about. Tickets are now on sale, and we've got some brilliant speakers lined up on that talk stage, like... Dame Kelly Holmes, Reggie Yates, Katie Piper, Billy Munger, some brilliant people telling their stories. For tickets and more information on upcoming announcements, go to happyplacefestival.com. Okay, here's who we have for you today. One of the joys of eating is to share it and to actually sit down. And I know with my own children, feed their tummies. They're contented. Then you hear about their day. Oh, that's right. We're spending some time in the company of Mary Berry at Mary Berry's house whilst eating Mary Berry's biscuits. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And now here's the show. first wrote up a list of the people I would love to have on Happy Place. This particular individual was right up there, but I'm not sure I ever really believed that I'd be stood outside her house waiting to go in for a cup of tea. I am absolutely buzzing with excitement. This particular legend can spot a Bakewell from a Battenberg about a mile off and is just an absolute joy all round, so I cannot wait just to sit down with her and have a thoroughly good chat. It is the wonderful Mary Berry. Now, I want to talk to Mary today, of course, about food, a subject that she's a complete expert in. I want to talk to her about the ceremony of food and the importance of cooking and also sitting down to have a meal with other people and how that can act as not only a market in your day, but also in your life, the nostalgia attached to food as well and the memories around it. So let's go and knock on the door and get a cuppa with Mary Berry. <gasps> this dog's... Mary! It seems like yesterday when I saw you last. It's so lovely to see you. Welcome, it's warmer in here. I know, it's chilly out there. Mary, thank you so much for inviting me into your lovely home. This is so nice. 
Well, Fern, we had such fun at Christmas time, didn't we? Did. We? we had so much fun doing that show. It was oh. brilliant. It was a wonderful day. It really was. It and was a dream t- for me. I got to cook with you. I know. And you're a pretty good baker, aren't you? And well, a very good cook. <laughs> no, I mean, it was lovely because um, uh, you were, icing's not really your thing. No, no, I can't do decorating. No. no it's well, the flavour. I, I don't like decorating too much. I often use um, fresh flowers uh, like primroses and just put mm. an egg and uh, sugar on them and, and make it pretty. Yeah. Because life's too short to spend hours on decorating cakes but they've got to taste good that's the main thing right but they've got to look tempting tempting but not time consuming exactly easy mary is what we like now of course today i want to talk to you about food because you are an expert in all areas of food and i really want to talk about sort of the ceremony around cooking and also eating as well and the the importance of that so can you think back to your earliest food memory and what that might be I think my earliest food memories were at home with my family because I'm I was born just as the war was beginning first few years not but um so I was a wartime girl and um things were short mm. but I can remember mum always uh, having uh meal times you know we had breakfast lunch um, and tea and supper and we always sat down to them always all together You know, dad at the end, dad was always served first. And there were frugal times because Mm. things were were quite short. Um, And I remember mummy saying when uh, the war came and everything was rationed. Now, if you stop having sugar in teas and coffees, there will be an occasional pud or cake. Because everybody in those days took sugar in their tea and coffee. Not many people drank coffee. But uh, sugar in their tea, you know, mm. so the, the, the spoon nearly stood up in the cup. <laughs> yeah, so that must have been such a shift for you to actually have to sort of think about, right, so we have to sacrifice this and then there will be perhaps a tree elsewhere. Well, yes, and, and you know, mum used to do things like bread butter pudding, mm. you know, if there was bread left and crumbles and things like that mm. uh, from time to time. And, of course, you, we were fortunate with the garden so we could grow our own vegetables and fruit and uh, we had hens, and uh, she preserved the eggs because hens don't lay in the winter, and the eggs would go into Isinglass, which is a big barrel with a preservative in, so that um, you had eggs all the year round. It was a different world. Yeah. You, you young thing, you see. Yeah, you but don't I know love anything. that, the sort of simplicity of it, and, and growing your own vegetables as well. It's like, so that's something I would love to to get into at some point that's definitely the way I'm headed I hope (laughs) yes and also we had lovely things which are strawberries but of course nowadays you can buy a strawberry in your supermarket at Christmas time when you we just had strawberries in sort of June and July and we had asparagus in May June everything was in season and it was so easy to know the seasons but now the seasons have gone because um, we get things all year round and it's better to eat seasonally for our bodies as well it's the way we're kind of you know, we're meant to be in tune with the seasons, aren't we? And, and eat it accordingly. Yes, that. but it's very difficult for people to know what the seasons are mm. nowadays because, you know, you, you go in at Christmas time and you see beautiful strawberries, raspberries, asparagus. So it, it is different. But if you buy British, which I uh, like to buy homegrown, mm. then you know. Well, even then they're done under tunnels and grass, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. So so going back to your childhood, I, I remember personally, sort of my the first thing I ever baked was with my nan, Ruby, my late nan. And we used to make 
quite dry jam tarts, but I thought they were absolutely brilliant at the time. And it's a real fond memory and a real sort of... Even if I see a jam tart now, I instantly go back to that moment of being a young kid with my nan. Can you remember the first thing you ever baked or cooked? Um, I didn't cook with my mother. My mother uh, worked and she was one of the... Every Friday, I know she went and did my father's accounts at the office and she worked to help my father. And so uh, she didn't bake with us. Uh, The first baking I did or cooking was at school. We had a home economics or it's called domestic science department that just opened. And when I was uh, 13, you either did Latin in math or you did cooking. Well, as I wouldn't have had a clue how to do Latin, and I still don't, I did cooking. Mm. And so Miss Date, who was a jolly little round lady, knee-high to a grasshopper, and she was so kind to me and said, you know, she encouraged us all and kept saying, oh, you've done well. And I remember the first thing I brought home was a treacle pudding. Oh, Remember, it was wartime, so it wasn't a huge, great, big treacle pudding you know the sponge with treacle when you turn it out of the bowl on top I took it home to dad and he said gosh this is as good as your mum's and I thought wow that was good so that sort of sets you off with a bit of praise when you've had nothing at school because I was mucking about most of the time (laughs) it's good to hear it so do you think that kind of sparked something within you and was that a moment where you thought I'm getting a kick out of this I feel really good when I'm when I'm cooking and baking and that that's a it's a nice thing to hold on to um yes I think um it was something I could do something I look forward to I look forward to break a lot (laughs) and I look forward to games but there were no other subjects that I liked and Mm. um as I was pretty wild I shouldn't think I was very nice to the teachers (laughs) really Apart from Miss Date, who obviously Miss Date, and you know, so I stayed with her. Well, I mean, I kept up with her till she was in a, a nursing home in Monkton Coombe, a lovely little nursing home. And I used to go and see her there, sit on the sofa with her, and she'd giggle away and say, "Tell me about your life now." Oh, uh, wow. It's a change from the cooking days we did together. But it's so um, important to have a great teacher and that just proves that there you never forget a brilliant teacher. It can be quite a game-changing moment. And it isn't the beautiful teacher. It's the one that just... She might be beautiful, but it's the one that gives you their time, yeah. encourages you and can't wait to get to the class. Mm, such a lovely feeling. It's very, very special. So at what point, Mary, do you think you recognise that that could be a career option for you? I didn't even think about it. Really? I know that when my parents went to see Miss Blackburn, who was the headmistress, who had absolutely no time for me whatsoever, I used to go and see her at school. Or frequently I'd be called in because I'd done something. (laughs) And uh, you looked up and above her door was a green light. And when it flashed... You were allowed to, you'd knock, and then when it flashed, you went in. And uh, then I would be ticked off. And I didn't even think what I was going to do. My parents went to see Miss Blackburn, and she said, Oh, dear, what are we going to do? What could she do? She could be a children's nurse, perhaps. And my father said, Well, I pity the child. <laughs> and then he said, Well, she seems to enjoy cooking. Mm. And really, our headmistress took no interest in the domestic science department at all and uh, she seems to enjoy perhaps she could do something with cooking wow so that's when i went to 
Bath Domestic Science College and I hadn't enough O-levels to do a teaching qualification, which I would have liked to do. Uh, I had to do catering because you didn't need the same qualifications. So at a later date, when I'd done my catering, I went back to do City and Guild teaching because what I do now is still teaching. Mm. And I think it's all very well to have a skill. You can be uh, engrossed in it, but you can't show other people. I mean, you're a great baker. You write cookery books. You know that you you have to sort of teach through it. Mm. And that's a skill. Yeah. And also lovely to sort of share all that you've learned and, and what you enjoy. And, you know, looking at Great British Bake Off, that just sparked the hugest baking frenzy in years. And it... It got kids interested in baking and, you know, all ages kind of wanted to, to have a go. And that's, that's a lovely thing. I mean, the Great British Bake Off is a wonderful programme and it has got a Britain baking, whether it's old, new or mm. young. That format works. Yeah. And everybody knows the format now and it is uh, very rewarding well, to me, when I was on the programme, to have people say, I make this, I make that, mm. and don't you make it easy or... Whatever. So growing up, as you said, sitting down with your family to eat meals was really important. What was that like? Would you sit and chat about your day? Did you listen to music or was it a silent affair when you just concentrated on eating? I think it, one of the joys of eating is to share it and to actually sit down. And I know with my own children, feed their tummies, they're contented, they're sitting there, they've enjoyed it. Then you hear about their day. Mm. Tackle them when they come in from school. Have you had a good day? Yes, Mum. My, son, my son goes, don't know. I go, yeah. what do you mean you don't What did you do? Don't know. You don't remember? It was 10 minutes ago. Yeah. And like, like you say, sitting down for a meal, that's, that's the time to do it. It's the same with husbands, partners, <laughs> wives, whatever. It's um, once you have relaxed um, and you've had a, a lovely meal mm. and a bit of a... And then you get chat, then you open it, then you sit. It's great. And food on the hoof isn't the same. No. It's not. But we all have to do it at certain times. Yeah. But I think in every family, if it is a very busy household, it's amazing you do a couple of evenings a week and Sunday lunch or, you know, if you're all too busy in the day, Sunday, sort of late Sunday lunch, mm. five o'clock or something. So lovely. So you have the family round to your house, I'm imagining, and you have your kids and your grandkids and, and people like that to have to have I food. do, but I often yeah. go to them. Oh, that's nice. That's Which lovely. is lovely. Yeah. And what sort of conversations get battered around? What's the kind of go-to conversation oh, for, well, for I the think, berries? I think back to, I went to Annabelle. We have a daughter, Annabelle, and son-in-law, Nan. And they have three children. And uh, we popped, popped in for tea the other Saturday, Sunday, and it was all about this little uh, little Hobie being on his rugger tour to the Isle of Wight, what the results were, how proud he was. Mm. And his brother, the other side of the table, says, did you notice the grass, Granny? And uh, I said, oh, yes. And he said, well, I mowed all that grass. Oh, bless him. Uh, and then we, um, I said, well, you usually have mushrooms here, uh, the St George's mushrooms on St George's Day, very often. And so he wanted, he said, can we go and look? And so we, we walked down the field and sure enough, the very first uh, St. George's mushrooms were there. And he said, you must take them up, uh, back to Papa, Grandpa. Uh, and so I took some back and um, we had them for Sunday night supper. Oh, that's so And my lovely. other son, when we go and see Tom and Sarah, 
Sarah's a brilliant cook and she really does follow recipes because she has had no training and she says, as long as I've got a recipe and usually it's mine, which is very kind, <laughs> she follows it from from exactly. And you know, I say, are you sure? Oh, she said it was dead easy. And But, you know, I know she was making butternut squash soup. Oh, and uh, she said, well, I don't actually puree it because... Tom doesn't, he likes lumps in his soup. And I said, well, he's like his grandfather and he's like his great-grandfather. He likes bits in his soup. <laughs> well, that's quite a brave thing to cook for you, I would imagine. Uh, I'd be terrified. Well, I was when I did that show with you. I was terrified. Now, Fern, you were absolutely brilliant and we had enormous fun. Uh, Sarah doesn't mind one bit and, and she loves cooking. And, mm. I, and I think she really likes it because she knows that I appreciate it. Yeah. You know, their children often say, oh, that was lovely, Mum, and they're off doing something else. Of course. But that's the nice thing about food, isn't it, as well, that if you are cooking for someone else or you're making a cake as a, a gift or an offering when you go to someone's house, you know how much time and energy and effort has gone into that, much rather than sort of getting a bunch of flowers or whatever. Making something is, there's a real... Um, you know, it's a big effort. That, that I couldn't agree with you it. more. And mm. I think a pot of marmalade, if you're good at making marmalade or if you've made some red currant jelly or... Uh, uh, it, yes, or a mm. cake. I mean, I know I had a, a great friend, J- um, Jelly, with, and she had three children and uh, she arrived with a, a coffee cake. And I thought, you know, you've come to me for tea. But she said, oh, well, I, you know, we are so That's many lovely. of us. And, you know, you really appreciate it. You do. It's the best gift there is. Best the gift. best gift. It's your time. It's your time. It's your energy. Absolutely. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I guess that was sort of a weird time looking back in the 70s and 80s where people's attitudes to foods changed, mainly because food was sort of presented in a different way. So fast food was born, the ready meal, um, low fat was a term that was batted about, but you stuck to what you do best. It was all about home cooking and you were editing several food sections of magazines at the time. I wasn't only editing, I was doing it. And doing it, yeah. <laughs> no, there's... I, um, yes, I was uh, on Housewife magazine and Ideal Home magazine. Mm. And I was just doing my family cooking, as I still do. Exactly. With a bit of a twist. And obviously, as people travel, you know, we are doing lots of other dishes from other countries. Um, but I'm not an expert in those. Um, but I find, a, a, you know, if I'm doing something like a taboulet, I will do one that uses a mass of parsley because most people have got it. And, you know, I do use the different grains and so forth. But I major on what my family enjoy. Yeah. Absolutely. And also that doesn't take too many ingredients because many of the chefs who I admire enormously use so many different ingredients and you're left with a bit. Mm. Uh, and it stays on the shelf uh, um, like a juniper berry. You would use it once in two years and uh, you know you wonder what you're going to do with it mm. or a particular type of chilli. I mean, they're all different strengths of chilies. I mean, choose the one you want. 
And if it, if it's a bit mild, use double the amount. But don't buy so many that you've got them on the shelf and they go off. Yeah, less waste always. Yeah. So like you, I'm a huge advocate for home cooking and making stuff from scratch when you can. At the time when all of this, you know, new, the new fads came out of low fat and ready meals, what did you make of that? And did you feel like it was a bit of a scary time when people were kind of shunning home cooked food for something easier and quicker? I think Nouvelle Cuisine was about the worst. Yeah. When you were encouraged to make enormously small quantities and to make a picture on a plate a detailed picture on a plate, which was a lot of faffing about. And the main people in the family were, were hungry. Yeah. Uh, if your children are all doing sport and, um, you know, you have an active life, Nouvelle Cuisine is not for you. No. And, but, of course, it taught us, or taught many of us, that, you know, you've got to make the food extra attractive when it arrives on your plate. But it doesn't need swirls of this and blobs of that. And low-fat... Well, it all has its effect. When I first cooked and I was making something like cottage pie, you would take a pan and you would put a knob of dripping. You haven't got dripping in your fridge, have you? Um, No. My husband would love to have dripping in our fridge. Um, And he'd scrape off all that jelly from the bottom, but he didn't get it. Oh, it's my Um, toes curl. You know, you'd put a dollop of dripping in the pan. Mm. Then you'd put your mince and fry it. Well, now we have non-stick pans, so you put it in with nothing and you just let it cook gently uh, and just to let the natural fat out and then you fry it. So we are all using less fat. Yeah. But it's all about a balanced diet, really. And there are all sorts of fads of... I mean, at the moment, everybody is having kale with everything. Kale yeah. crisps, kale chopped up, kale this... It is quite a tough thing. And I just like spinach. Have you ever tried to make kale chips? Well, you can buy them. Yeah. Um, it's quite a long, laborious process. It's of a long, laborious. A slow and and roast. It's, quite a, it's quite a tough leaf. Mm. And, I mean, you can get just as much um, vitamin C from watercress mm. as you can from kale. I think it's a fad, but shall we see? Mm, I think there's always going to be a new thing, isn't there? Oh. Each year we see a new, a superfood or, you know, something else come into play. But I guess it's just cooking from scratch is, is the key, cooking, isn't it? Yes, but even so, um, I wouldn't make puff pastry. Yeah. I certainly wouldn't make puff pastry. I, I make a quick one of my mother's, which is uh, grated fat into the flour, which is, that's what I do. And uh, instead of puff pastry, but I will cheat. I'll buy it. I, I would buy a very good quality custard if I was making a trifle at home, um, if I were very busy. Mm. But again, it would have to be the best quality one. Yeah, yeah. No cheap stuff. No. When you're cooking at home, do you still get that buzz and that joy from the actual experience and the ritual of cooking? Or do you ever think, oh, I just can't be bothered with this? I love cooking. Sometimes it's got to be quick. Yeah. You know, if I'm just like you, you come in from doing a day, a job. I mean, tonight it's the one show. I shall come in at 20 to 9. Oh, And nice. I will, uh, I'll do a quick stir fry or I'll do yeah. uh, an omelette or something. Uh, if I haven't prepared ahead and there's not too much today thinking I have a quid, appeared <laughs> something. My, my husband's very happy yeah. uh, with whatever I give him. But um, it's a matter of organisation. I think that um, cooking is, it gives you, uh, you unwind. And also, if I'm cooking, 
I would love to go out and pick herbs and uh, be out in the garden. To be out in the fresh air is so good for us. And I know that the RHS, the Royal Horticultural Society and the National Garden Scheme are trying to get everybody to realise that it's wonderful to get out into the fresh air, walking, gardening and then coming back into cooking. Um, You feel so much better. It's Mm. so much more rewarding. That's the next step for me, Mary, is doing my own herbs because I'm not very green-fingered. I'm I'm into the cooking, obviously, and I love the ceremony around it and I find it so relaxing. But the the green-fingered bit, I'm yet to nail. That's the next step. It's something that grows on you, really. Mm. And if you've got a little patch somewhere near the back door... I've got a little patch. It's just empty. Uh, well, I mean, you can start off with the perennials uh, and, and once you've got rosemary, it's a bit tender, but it, it usually goes through most mm. winters uh, and a, a bay and you just sow some parsley that comes up without too much effort. Chives, they're there. With all the herbs, if you keep nibbling at them, they grow back. Okay, I'm going to do that. You've inspired me. That's what I need to, to get onto. And next. even basil, you can buy a pot in a supermarket. And if it's just not growing too much, you can transplant the little plants in a bit of ground and they'll bush out. And you pinch out the tops and put it into a salad and it will grow back. So when you are cooking and you're in the Maryberry kitchen at home, how do you like things set out? What's your, do you have sort of any superstitions or things that have to be in place? Do you like the kitchen full of people, empty, music on? I don't usually have music on. Um, it depends what time of day it is. I'm very happy if people come and they want, I mean, at Christmas time, all the lot are here. I do a lot of everything getting ready uh, the day before. Yeah. But if somebody says they want to do some sprouts and they're staying the day before, I say, well, sit down and chat to me and do the sprouts. Mm. Um, I don't feel that I have to do everything myself. On the whole, if I've got people round for kitchen supper or something, I really like to have done it ahead mm. because then I can give my time to them. Yeah. Because it's a hard thing to juggle, isn't it? Because I like having people over, but sometimes I'm so concerned about what I'm cooking and if they're going to like it and getting panicked about that, that then, like you say, you lose that nice moment of being able to give your time to them and actually enjoy the dinner bit as well and the sitting down bit. Well, I always do the, if we've got people coming around, I'll do the first course and the main course ahead. Mm. uh, And then maybe the main course I'll sort of finish off. Yeah. And what meals are particularly nostalgic for you is there a certain flavor or recipe that when you eat it it takes you you know sort of spinning back to another time or a specific memory well I suppose it's the occasions when the family are here yeah very often we do Easter here and um, I'll nearly always do lamb but I always used to do fast roasted lamb but it suits me right now to do a slow shoulder of lamb and if they're when the family visit they might not be here when they said they were going to be here. And so <laughs> if it's something like a slow roast lamb, if they come an hour late, what does it matter? Yeah, well, that's a good tip. That's a very good tip. And uh, I always do the things that they enjoy. And if I'm going to see any of my family, I will very often say, please, may I bring a pud or something? Um, and they usually say no, and I say yes. <laughs> and so the moment that they're quite keen on honeycomb ice cream... Oh. Um, so I take that all wrapped up with cold things round it and in, in the hour's drive and pop it in their freezer. Oh, heavenly. 
Can you think back to any sort of particularly memorable meals you've had that have marked special occasions or dinner parties that you've been to that have really sort of stuck in your memory, maybe for reasons of, you know, atmosphere, company, but perhaps also the food that you ate? Um, My husband had a major birthday and I asked all his sporty friends... 30. We did, We had two parties of 30 and, and I remember the one that he had for his uh, friends that he played squash and golf and um, tennis with and I said, what do you want? And he said, boiled beef and carrots. Fortunately, it was winter, so we had boiled salt beef and carrots and uh, uh, mustard sauce, which um, my mother always did mustard sauce. That was quite quite successful, really. So you had to cook for all those people? Yes. Oh my goodness. Um, oh, but lots of help, and the and the children came and helped yeah. and hand round and so on. That's quite the fun when the when the grandchildren get to an age when they will pass round and and if they've got something in their hands, they will talk to people. It isn't just standing up there and saying, "Granny, when can I go and play?" <laughs> That's so nice because I love baking with my own children now, and I'm glad that they're sort of they're at an age where they want to get involved and they really enjoy baking as well. Is it important for you to hand down your own recipes through the family to your children and then to your grandchildren? Oh yes, I do, and mm. um, I've got two little frying pans that the boys have, or even the girls have. If they come just suddenly, unexpected, and they make themselves omelets. I remember when. Um, Louis, I said, what do you want to put in your omelette? And he opens the fridge and he and he said, have you got any frozen peas, Granny? And I said, yes. He said, well, I'd like them in my omelette. And I thought, you know, what? there'll be marmalade in it next time. <laughs> um, uh, so they have their two little pans and scrapers, um, spatulas. Um, and I've baked with all the children. I remember with Hobie, I did a, a pasta um, with tuna in and I put mustard in it normally. And I said, well, maybe you don't want mustard in it. And he said, well, I like mustard, but Louis doesn't. So we'll put plenty in and then perhaps he won't like it and I'll get more. (laughs) That's so cunning, but so wise. I love that. But, you know, it's quite nice if they come for a given period of time and take their supper home when when Annabelle picks them up. um, They have a, a dish that's just got to go into the oven and they have it for their tea when they get home. Oh, that's so lovely. So, Mary, you've obviously got a love of cooking from your mother as well and you've got some recipes that she would cook for you what ones spring to mind and what do you still use to this day well if we do boil beef and carrots which um uh, in the winter good supermarkets will produce salt beef either salt silver side or brisket and you just uh, simmer it gently until it's tender and mum used to do um mustard sauce and that was what uh, i was trained as as a bechamel sauce meaning uh, a white sauce my tip is always to heat the milk before you add it to the butter and the flour the roux okay. it goes in better and then she would add a couple of tablespoons of white wine vinegar actually in her day it would have been malt vinegar but I use white white vinegar and uh, some dry mustard a tablespoonful of dry mustard and a good tablespoonful of sugar and she would make that all into a paste and a level tablespoonful of sugar actually uh, make that into a paste and add it to the white sauce with pepper and salt and it was absolutely delicious and it would be a sort of a pouring consistency I guess that's the lovely thing as well about those sort of family recipes. It's not just this is a nice sauce that tastes great. It's the story behind it and and the memories and 
and be able to sort of recall a time, I guess, as well. That makes it extra yes, special. And, and bread and butter pudding, she used to make in crumbles. And uh, uh, I can think of her making pastry on Sunday morning. Yeah, and I still do it, grating lard or white fat and butter, equal quantities, into the flour and then um, making a sort of rough puff pastry. And that would go on an enamel plate that had chips in it and a thin piece underneath the pastry and a thicker piece on top and apples, plums, anything that was in the garden, windfalls. Gorgeous. So looking back over your whole career, when you were sort of, you know, working on all the magazines and you were editing and, and you were working, you know, for, for huge magazines and, and running the sort of food sections, did you ever see your career ending up where it is today? Do you know, you don't think about it, do you? No. I mean, um, I loved what I did and do, and I have a husband who encourages me. You know, when I say, do you mind if I do that, I will be away and this, that, and he said, if you enjoy it, you just do it. I'm always pleased to see you back. It's so, a lovely attitude oh, it's to have lovely. around it, isn't it? And, um, and half the time he doesn't know what I'm up to, but <laughs> he's quite pleased when I walk in the door. And so brilliant that you still have that passion for it and still love it, possibly even more than ever. Oh, but I mean, now is more interesting than I can possibly mm. imagine. Mm. I mean, doing our new show has been great with Claudia Winkleman mm. and, and Chris and Dan, and uh, I'm doing Chelsea. I'm a very keen gardener, so it's great to be the sort of naive person who really enjoys gardening and has no qualifications, but just is nosy and uh, asking questions. And yeah. I love that. So I get all... And my Country House programme, I absolutely oh, love. Oh, I love that I, show, Mary. I love that But show. what a privilege to oh, go yeah. and just say, you know, what does that do? Mm. What's down that corridor? Yeah. And uh, who's that photograph? When did you meet? You know, all those questions that, that as a viewer or reading a book you want to ask behind the scenes. Yeah, have a good night. And they were around. very generous. Yeah, fantastic. So you've never necessarily sort of plotted out what you wanted to do within the food industry. It's kind of been moments of, of opportunity and chance and you've just taken them. Oh, there's no plotting out. It mm. just, uh, but um, as I'm quite ancient, I now <laughs> don't have to do. You know, some things I really don't want to do, um, and so I say uh, tactfully, nice. And I've got a wonderful assistant, Lucy, who's been with me twenty-seven years. Wow! Mm. So I'm quite difficult to work for, as you can imagine. <laughs> and uh, you know, she she masterminds the phone and uh, everything and says whether I can do things and whether I can't and mm. uh, also like you I have a lovely agent who is knows gets the feel of what you want to do and what you'll do well mm. and also puts the rules in yeah what you're doing and uh, I'm very blessed so you can get that balance because obviously it's your home life is very important and, and your home family. life is home life for, it's very very important yeah. and it's it, there's got to be a bit of time for it yeah, there has to be. It's getting that balance. And it can sometimes be hard. You know, you've obviously worked all through, you know, your years of being a mother and now being a grandmother. So it, it can be quite difficult to juggle, but you, you seem to sort of be getting that right. More or less. Yeah. Yes, I think I think we do. And, uh, you know, I love what I do. Mm. Um, now I do perhaps more judging. And uh, the Bake Off, you know, when I was doing the Bake Off, I just wanted to get Britain baking. I wanted to be absolutely fair. And I had the expertise because I've been baking and written uh, lots of baking books. I had the knowledge mm. of home baking anyway. 
And so again, uh, as I'm now doing Britain's uh, Best Home Cook, it's such a treat because we're looking for a real home cook, someone who's done no, never had a shop or a restaurant or really been away from home. One hour, two of the people who in the cooking have never been away from their children. And they brought all pictures of their children and uh, to put on the wall and their husbands so they felt a bit at home. But, you know, it it isn't like um, uh, these talent shows and there's no hype. Mm, mm. Uh, And there aren't sort of da-da-da-da-da. It's um, just real home cooking and Mm. getting the best. And, of course, as they are from various cultures, you get all different foods, Mm. but they have to cook British food quite a lot of the time. Oh, so wonderful. For people out there who perhaps have never really bothered with cooking, because I was a bit late to the party, to be honest. I probably started really getting passionate about food in my late 20s, but before that... I was out and I was working and I was, you know, running around and grabbing food on the run, always. And I rarely spent time sitting down, whereas now it's really important that I do, you know, like you want to sit with my family and enjoy that moment. And I really enjoy the sort of selfish me time of cooking as well. And I get a big kick out of that. But for people who haven't cooked before, maybe they're a bit nervous too, or they just don't bother, what sort of advice would you give or, or encouragement? I think, first of all, choose something within your limit. And also, it's a good idea to make things that you know your family, your partner, your husband is going to enjoy. It's, uh, I've learnt I cannot persuade my husband to have certain things just because I like them. <laughs> and so I always do something that I think, you know, he loves smoked haddock and things. I do a lot of... Uh, things that he really enjoys and it goes back to his upbringing I suppose I could give him shepherd's pie cottage pie and roast beef for the rest of his days (laughs) but he does you know I think as you get older you perhaps have less meat smaller portions perhaps but um, I do what my family enjoy and if I know they're coming I mean, we're doing on Sunday, it's a picnic at Heads of House. I've got three of my grandchildren coming. Their mother's away on holiday, their parents are away on holiday. And um, I, I said to them, now, what do you like? We'll have a little throwaway barbecue. You know, there's, you buy with coals underneath. Mm. And I said, we can do, uh, oh, they want sausages. And Hobie said, well, we had venison we had fillet of venison once Fancy. with you. Could we have it again? <laughs> I thought, oh, God. <laughs> well, actually, it's just a little strip of meat, and so it would do very well on the barbecue, so we'll see. Mm. But I'm doing... I do ask them what they like. Because it can be hard with kids as well. My One of my kids is a great eater, and one is really fussy, and it is challenging to get her to try new things you know because she would just eat pesto pasta every day otherwise but it's kind of gradually introducing things to her it's it's a great thing isn't it pesto pasta it's all love they love it but it's because of the seasoning and this this is quite a bit of salt Salt. uh, salt in parmesan and things it's it's funny because um my grandchildren have been brought up without salt and when they were very little and coming to me they would eat olives because there was lots of salt. Mm. And please, could they have some ham? Because that's got salt in. In it, they were feeling very deprived, and those mm. were the things that they loved. Yeah. Oh, no, mine love pesto pasta, soya sauce, which I have to really limit, because that is a serious amount of salt in that. But anything salty. And sugar, that's another one that I have to try. You know something? Watch. Everything in moderation. Absolutely, Mary. I completely agree. 
If I were to cook for you now and pop into your kitchen and dare to do such a thing, what would the meal be? What would be your your number one favourite thing to eat? I think I would say to you, what do you do well and what would you like me to have? Because I like most things mm. um, and uh, I wouldn't want anything uh, too complicated. No. Um, an omelette. I'll make you an omelette, Mary. Oh, you seem keen on omelettes. I love an omelette, but not with frozen peas <laughs> no in peas. it. No peas <laughs> Mary, what an absolute joy, of course. Thank you so much for having us over for a chat. It's been lovely having you for a chat. Um, when we did our Christmas show, that's when I got to know you and what fun we had. And so it was lovely to have you back. Oh, thank you, Mary Berry, for your wisdom and your homemade biscuits that were so buttery. I'm sort of salivating thinking about them now. Oh, and if this chat has been a little moreish, there's plenty of episodes of Happy Place to fill the gap. All you need to do is subscribe for free using a podcast app such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. There are plenty out there. Next week, we meet Dolly Alderton. I was on a magazine placement at FHM. One afternoon, I think I was quite hungover, for about four hours, I imagined my 30th birthday party in such detail of like this boyfriend that I would have there maybe I would also get like engaged that night and it's so embarrassing <laughs> I remember imagining the speeches that people would give about oh, me yeah. and I cried at my desk at FHM Ooh. because I was just imagining wow <laughs> and, and was that, your 30th yeah. like that? no I for one can't wait and don't forget that I'm coming home to London and Manchester this summer with the Happy Place Festival get your tickets at happyplacefestival.com A massive thanks to Mary, to the producers of this episode, Matt Hill and Anushka Tate at Rethink Audio, and to you brilliant lot for listening. I'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.